is still the week of prayer for Christian unity. And whenever I think of Christian unity, uh, I go back to that uh, favorite tale of many a con uh, conference speaker, whether legendary or not, and you can make whichever denomination the butt end of this story you like, which is probably why everybody likes the story. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about Baptists this morning. You're at a Baptist convention, and the Baptist speaker is giving uh, the declamation of the gospel, and he says in a, a grandiose voice, he says, is there anybody here who is not a Baptist? And one old lady in the front pew sort of rather timidly puts her hand up. And he looks down and says, well, what are you then? Could be anybody. I'm a, I'm a Methodist. I mean, let's make it very particular. And I go to Methodist Central Hall, Westminster. Well, why are you not a Baptist? Completely overcome by being put on the spot by this bullying preacher, she stammers, thinks quickly. She says, well, my father was a Methodist and my grandfather was a Methodist. And he butts in and says, well, supposing your grandfather and your father were idiots, what would that make you? Completely lost it by this time being put. She says, stammers. She says, well, a Baptist, I suppose. Or again, the Roman Catholic member being shown round heaven. And they get to a certain room in the Lord's many mansions and the archangel goes, shh. And he looks round quizzically at his angel friend. And the angel says, the Methodists are in there. They think they're the only ones here. The week of prayer for Christian unity is highly complicated. And yet we read that passage of scripture that Keener has just read for us where the plea, the command, the request, whatever it is, hard to know quite in John's gospel, is that those who follow Jesus Christ be one. And it was a former Archbishop of Canterbury who said, I believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church and regret every day that it does not exist. Uh, and uh, enormous time throughout the world is spent working out how people who are different families of Christ live together in harmony. And that's the point, I guess, of Christian Unity Sunday. I want to remind you of something that I spoke a little bit about some months ago, and that is that when you read the writings of Paul, and Paul, of course, is responsible for many books in the New Testament, Paul only ever uses the word we, W-E, in one way. Whether he's writing to the church in Rome or the Christians in Philippi, or wherever else, when he talks about we, he is talking about those who he describes repeatedly through all his books with his particular phrase, those who are, quote, in Christ, end quote. It's Paul's favorite phrase for the believers in Jesus Christ. For Paul, this is the great 
dividing line and it's broad and it's wide. The church is not and never has been about young or old, about black or white, about charismatic or Catholic, about hymn books or song books, about seats or pews, about organs or synthesizers. At the end of the day, whether you're around the world, whether you're in this century or you're a thousand years ago, the we are those who are found in Christ. That is the constitution of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And on Christian Unity Sunday, we do well to remember that that's the only definition of we that really matters. In the course of my ministry, it's been suggested to me that I'm not really a Methodist, and that doesn't really worry me because I've been the uh, receptacle of many other people's comments that I'm too much a Methodist, so I've done what I normally do and assume that somewhere in the middle's about right. But I have to say to you that down the years of now nearly 40 years as a Methodist minister and preacher, that the times when I remember most, the times, I won't say when I've been blessed the most, but the times which have moved me the most in terms of worship or action have been the times when Christians of many different backgrounds and denominations and emphases have joined together to do something. The time I remember once when we had a great jamboree in the local cathedral and uh, one person from one tradition stood and did some music. The worship group came from somewhere else. The Salvation Army brought their band. The local uh, Anglican led the prayers. The Roman Catholic did the sermon. The Methodists suggested hymns. But it was the idea that we were all together, suddenly, simply before God, worshiping the Lamb. And I suddenly thought, this is what heaven will be like. Because actually, there won't be a room where the Methodists think that they're the only ones there. There'll be those who are in Christ. From every land, from every quarter of the world, from every time and place. Or it's been those times when people from various denominations and Christian outlooks have gathered together to do a project that's moved me the most. I remember particularly launching 25, 30 years ago with the other clergy of a particular appointment I was in, what are we going to do about X? And it captivated the mind of the whole town that we were in. And it wasn't just the project which was to help an international relief which uh, filled our screens at that time many years ago with starving children, just as we could fill them with other starving children from other places now. But the thing that caught the local newspaper wasn't just the fact that somebody was trying to do something about this huge cataclysmic problem on the face of the world. It was that for the first time in living memory, the Baptists and the, church, uh, and the Roman Catholics were combined in doing something together. 
And we met together and around that common cause, suddenly some of the things with which we continue to wrestle and sometimes misunderstand why they're quite so difficult to overcome about ministry respecting ministry, ordination respecting ordination, etc., etc. Suddenly they were, they laid aside in pursuit of this. And you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, or I did. So, on Christian Unity Sunday, we have to define we very carefully. Beyond denominations, beyond the visible signs that we struggle with to be one, there's one we, those who are in Christ. The second thing I want to remind you about on this Christian Unity Sunday is that we did nothing to earn our salvation. We weren't better than somebody else. God doesn't like Methodists better than he likes Baptists. We who find ourselves in Christ realize and need to re remind ourselves time and time and time again it's not because of our intellect it's not even because of our theology it's not where we come from it's not about the color of our skin it's not about the language we speak it's about God's goodness in giving himself in Christ and stretching his arms out for love of the whole world and inviting people to respond and become part of the we, those who are in Christ. Now, if you had nothing whatsoever to do with earning your salvation, and it is gift and invitation, for Christ did it all, died for all, once for all on a cross, then any boast that we have, any mission that we have, any ministry that we have, anything that we do regarding the weekly notice sheet and what it consists of, any attendance record we have in our mind about whether we're doing well this year, is not the thing of our boast. It's our ability to boast in him. Come see what the Lord has wrought in his people. So we who are in Christ must be as invitational and as gracious and as evangelistic as we can possibly be because the last thing that it's right to do with something that's given to you over which you did nothing to earn is to start to treat it as if it's something that's yours that you can keep hold of. Who is the person who finds themselves outside the claim and the love and the reach of Christ? That therefore, who is the person that we're wrong to say, wrong to go to, wrong to minister, and say, you can be part of the we too? So the first thing, the only we that we recognize are those who are in Christ. The second if it's not down to you and your goodness or your abilities, 
we're called to share and be as generous about inviting people to be in Christ as we ourselves are the recipients of that generosity. The third thing and final thing this morning is that therefore, logically, the church should increasingly be recognized as having an open window way of thinking rather than a closed door mentality. All of us are called to exalt the fact that people can come to Christ and enter his church. And the we is more important than the denominational us. Methodists, just one family of faith in the great and greater we of Christ, uh, are remarkably tied to the gifts and graces of everybody. You wouldn't think so sometimes. Sometimes as the superintendent minister, I have to sort of say to people, what do you think? And they look at me as if they say, I'm, what I think is unimportant. It's what you think. You're the superintendent minister. And it's at that point that I annoy some of you and ask you to just grow up a little bit and say, but you've got a thought in your head. You know what you've done before. You know, you know how you want this to be. You know wisdom that it's better done this way and that way. We believe in what's loosely called, although it's easily misinterpreted, the priesthood of all believers. That some of us are set apart to wear these things to conduct wonderful things like bread and wine. But that's not in our tradition because we're six feet above contradiction or somehow of a completely different cast of human being to everybody else. The we who is in Christ, the we who we invite, it's this we that we are meant to recognize that we're all a part of and that whatever God has given us, whatever talents, whatever skills, whatever resources God has given us, we are laid at the feet of Christ. Story I tell from time to time, but one of the most vivid memories I have of my second appointment in the early 1980s was a woman who uh, led our charismatic renewal in our church. She was a Marmite person. Some people thought she was absolutely fantastic and some people stayed clear by about three furlongs. And I was one time walking through the West Yorkshire market town where we were with her. I can't remember why we were just together. And in front of us, about 30 yards, a young lad just keeled over and his mother leant over and put her, her shopping bag under his head. And, and I thought, gosh, what, what, what shall we do? My friend, the super spiritual state, rushed to the side, got next to the mother and said, is he all right, is he all right? She said, I don't know, he does this sometimes. She said, I'm going to pray for him. And I thought, oh no. So there in the middle of a busy market street in West Yorkshire, super saint Una, one of my members, lays hands on this young lad, prays in a loud voice so that people start 
either going further and further and further away as they get nearer, or the inquisitive ones peering over their shoulder. And I'm sort of next to Una thinking, make it a short prayer, Una. Make it a short prayer. We're drawing attention to ourselves. And after a few seconds, the lad woke up and the mother turned and she said to my member, she said, thank you so much, she said. Una said, with great faith, she said, he'll be all right now. Now, I don't know whether he was, though she did have a gift of healing. And quite a number of people were recipients of it in our church. Now, I tell that story against myself quite often because there's no way in the world as a rather kind of uh, white Western minister that I would have rushed to somebody's side and prayed like that. Though you know that I'm quite happy in different environments to pray with other people. But she could. If I'd have said to her, at the drop of a hat, you've got to go into a church this Sunday and preach a sermon that's at least half intelligent, she'd have said, I need to do something at home and left the church. The point is, not that I can or that you can, but that together we can. And the sum of the parts of a congregation that knows its indebtedness to God and is open to the Holy Spirit to receive the gifts that it needs to be the people of God, those who are in Christ, is greater, the sum of those parts is greater than the individual's concern. It's what we in the church, in offering ourselves to Christ, do. A Methodist in Devon uh, invited a local pre uh, a preacher back to lunch to a farmhouse belonging to him. It was a lovely lunch. I remember it well. And after lunch, we went into a lounge where there was a roaring fire and the kind of fireplace, do they call them inglenook fireplaces, where you can almost sort of sit in it. There's a fire, Judith's nodding, so it must be right. And... It was half as big as the room and there were two chairs there and, and, and he sat on one and I sat on the other and we had a cup of tea there and then there was this roaring fire here. And the rest of the room was sort of this way. And I, I, I said to him, uh, this is a fantastic little setup here. He said, he said to me, yeah, we've, we've just discovered it. Now, the house is about 200 and odd years old. So I said, what do you mean you've just discovered it? He said, well, we bought the house about 30 years ago. He said, we've been making slow uh, reparations to it and knocking it. He said, we suddenly realized, he said, that the Victorians closed it all in. We were going along the wall and all of a sudden we realized there was something behind it. We asked somebody to go through and we found this. So we've restored it. I said, it's fantastic. The Victorians didn't like that sort of thing, he said. I wonder what there is on Christian Unity Sunday that's either been lying dormant in those of us who are the we in Christ.
that now needs to be released and rediscovered. Where are the people who have different gifts and graces that the church needs today? Where are the people in our church on Christian Unity Sunday who say, I'm part of the we, and I've had this gnawing thing in the back of my mind that I need to go and do this, but I don't think anybody else will be interested. Or, I feel I've got this gift from God, and I see it in the scriptures, but they've got enough people on the healing team, so I won't bother joining it. There's enough people offering to be stewards, so I I won't bother. And in a sense, what we're doing is we're keeping the Victorian plaster in front of a much older and more beautiful and finer Inglenook space. So, three words on Christian Unity Sunday. Remember that on Christian Unity Sunday, there is only one we that matters, and that's all those who are in Christ, whoever they are, wherever they belong. And we're part of it. And we rejoice to be part of it, and it's not through our own doing, and therefore we must be inclusive and generous just as God has accepted us and received and included us. And thirdly, the sum of our parts is greater than the individual's. What we can do is greater than what any one of us can do. And there will be things lurking in our hearts and our spirits and our minds and our abilities that God wants to rediscover, take down the plaster and begin to use for his services in this world, in all its need, even today. Amen. So we sing, Christ from whom all blessings flow.